Well, hey, y'all. Y'all got to wake up. We just think about how we got a good, good father. And it's awesome to see all you guys here. But we're not here about me. We're not here about connection. But we're here for Jesus Christ. So let's give him a grand clap of praise and thanksgiving right now. God, we thank you. Oh, we thank you. Well, I've realized that maybe I gave y'all a little too much to think about last week. I had somebody tell me they wanted to put a gate up here and get ready to let me run out because I said I was ready like a raging bull to preach. Maybe I don't let anyone down. I've, uh, God's really been stirring in my heart this week and really been um, just doing a lot of things. I thought I had everything planned up, planned out, but later, uh, I think Thursday, God changed everything. So y'all just be with me as I go through this message today. Um, these things squeak entirely too much, so I'm going to try to stay up here and try not to move. But if I can't stand it, y'all don't hold it against me if I get on the floor. Um, what? That's right. So what we're trying to do is, is, is I just want to welcome all of you again here to our first ever actual service. We're making history tonight, guys. So thankful for the two people that were saved last week, and I pray that, that God moves in your heart tonight. Well, God's laid on my heart to preach. We're going to preach a series of, of, of a, couple serve, a couple messages, five, matter of fact, to, uh, to really give some direction on where we're going. We're calling it Made for More because the church is made for more than what it's become. Amen? God's called us not to be complacent Christians, but people that are on fire for God. And for us to be those people... We've got to step out of our comfort zone. We've got to step out of the pew, and we've got to be the bold people God's called us to be. And we're not go- God's called us to be like the representation of him on earth. Will God be silent? Will he just come once a Sunday to church? And No. We're supposed to be hit representation to him to the world out there. And we're falling, and we're failing him. We're supposed to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. When people see us in the street, they should be able to see Jesus. Amen? But so many times they don't. So many times we're caught up in our, on our, own, in our own life on what we have to do because we're so important, right? In order for us to really be the church God called us to be, is we've got to be the people God's called us to be. We're going to be in, second, I mean, in 1 Thessalonians tonight at the end of the service, but we're going to start in Acts chapter 17. During Connect Group this week, God really did a stir in my heart as we were studying Acts chapter 17. But God's called us to be a people of purpose. And the people of purpose, they're going to be doing five things. We call it our cultures here. We're going to be people of worship, that worship God. We're going to be a people that are involved in community and and discipleship, where one-on-one discipleship happens, where true growth happens. We're going to be uh, engaged in evangelism, where we're telling people what God's done in our life and leading people to Jesus. A group of people that have purpose, they are involved in service. They're serving other people in the church, but also serving the county, serving the community. And also, there are people that are engaged in generosity. We want to give God back. We want to give him generously of our talents, of our time, and of our money. Amen? We get quiet about money. We don't want to talk about money. 
And I'm not going to tell you all when that's going to be, so you'll show up. But tonight we'll be talking about people being on, people worshiping Christ, worshipers of Christ. Before we get started, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just want to come to you tonight and thank you again, Father, for just moving uh, in uh, worship service, Lord. I can't thank you enough for being the good, good Father that you are. I thank you, Lord, for how you love us. I thank you, Lord, for how you call us deeper still into love. I thank you, God, how we don't have to be perfect. We just have to come as we are. But, Lord, that you call us not to stay as we are. Father, I just pray that you would move in a bold way tonight. God, you would touch our hearts. You would touch our lives. That we would not stand on the bank anymore. That we would launch out into the deep to you. Father, just move in a mighty way. God, speak through me. Holy Spirit, we need you here more than, more than we ever need you. Lord, just move in a mighty way. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. In your name, amen. I can't stand it no longer, guys. I got to get down here on this floor. My tech guys are going to be mad, but I got to get down here. That thing squeaks too much. But anyway, what, what we got going on is, is to be people that worship God, to be the unstoppable church that God's called us to be. The church just doesn't start out worshiping. People don't, do, they don't just start out worshiping God. What's got to happen is each and every person in this room has got to be a true worshiper of God. Amen? We've got to be united. That's what the church is. The church isn't brick and mortar. It isn't a building. It's the people of God. And for us to be the people God's called us to be, we've got to quit playing games and start following Jesus. And for, us, for our church to be a church that is known for worship, in order for that to happen, each person has to check themselves and see, am I a true worshiper of Jesus Christ? Or if I, have I allowed life to come in and creep in and take that away from me? We get so caught up in life that we think we're worshiping God because we show up to church on Sunday. But in reality, all we have become is a bunch of religious people. And there's no power of God in our life. There's no, there's no desire to serve Him. We just come to church out of responsibility, not out of love for the, for the Father, not out of love that for Jesus that's saving my sins. He died on the cross to save us of our sins. We should be excited to come to church, amen, to gather and praise His name. Our church would have so much more power if we would get a hold of that. God's called us to be worshipers of Him. We all worship something. It's just according to what you worship. Even atheists that don't believe in God worship something. Don't say you're a worshiper of Jesus Christ just because you come to a church. Just because you've had your name on a roll. Because I bought into that lie a long time. We've got to be people on mission for God. When people see you, they see Jesus. When they see you at work, when they see you in a grocery store, when they see you at the ball game, do they see Jesus? Are you worshiping him? See, in reality, our life should be a state of worship. What we worship is what we're devoted to. What we worship is what, when people see our lives, when people see us, they see what's important to us. They took a snapshot of your week last week. All the activities you were involved in, everything that you did. Could somebody say that you were a worshiper of the King Jesus? 
or you worshiper of yourself. It's hard stuff. I know it is, especially for the first time. I'm not trying to run all y'all off, I promise. But we've got to dig into that and take an accurate assessment of our lives. We live in a place where everybody grew up in church. Everybody says they know who Jesus is, but very few people truly, truly serve him. We don't, really, we don't want to step out of our comfort zone. We don't want to be these fanatical people. People started calling me radical. Woo, praise God. That means I look different than everybody else in our churches. I want to be somebody that serves God everywhere I go. When they see me, they see Jesus. They see me surveying out there in the, in the woods, and they see Jesus out there behind the instruments. When they see me in town at the grocery store, they see Jesus. I want that. I want them to have that. I want you to have that. I want when people see you, that they see Jesus. But we've got to get us out of the way. God's called us, y'all, to so much more. So much more than what we have become. And we became a bunch of people that we appease ourselves because we go to church. And that's not what he's called us to be. I look back at my own life, and I had a lot of religious activity, but I didn't have any, I wasn't really rooted and grounded in my faith. Everything else took priority. And everything else was a God in my life. If you're not serving God, if he's not the center of your being, if he's not what you're devoted to, then you're devoted to something else, and something else is your God. And he says, one of the Ten Commandments is, you shouldn't have no other gods before me, Right? We act like we didn't understand that. He says, no other gods before me. And if you're not devoted completely to him, if you're not completely sold out to him, then what are you doing? You're serving some other God. And it breaks my heart. Because I was in the same place until God opened my eyes, and I praise God that he did. But there's a lot of people, we, 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 we begin to start serving other things. We make, other, we make idols in our lives and we don't even realize it. We don't even realize it. Romans 12. It says that they... Let me make sure I, I'm not going to give you the wrong thing. It come to my mind. I'm sorry. Romans 1. That's where it is. Romans 1, it says... In verse 26, it says, For the reason God gave them up to, this, to their dishonorable passions for... Nope, back up one. Verse 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And I think that's where we're at. We're in a place right now where we worship everything. We worship the things God created. And it could be good stuff, but it's not God. And we've replaced God with football. We've replaced God. I said football, I know that was a bad word, wasn't it? But we've replaced God with college football. We've replaced God with our activities. We've replaced God with what we want to do. And when we look back, we're not serving God, we're serving what we want. And he's called us to be more than that. He's called us to step out. And when I think about a man that was totally devoted to God, see, to be, to be a worshiper of Jesus Christ, to be a worshiper of God means our life is devoted to him. Worship means it's what you devote your life to. It's what makes you up. When people look at you, 
Do they, can they say that you are a worshiper of Jesus? Do they say you worship college football? You worship work? When I look at a man named Paul, Paul was sold out to God. Paul was doing his own thing. He was, man, he had money. He had anything that, that you could want in his day. And when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, it changed him forever. He was no longer the same person. He gave up what he gave up his he gave up everything that he was to pursue him. And as he did that, man, that man got beat up by telling the gospel. We won't tell nobody across the street about, about Jesus because we're scared they might think we're crazy. This man got beat up and knew he was going to get beat up. So he gets beat, he, he gets beat up in one town. You know what he does? He goes to the next town and they beat him up. They beat Paul up so bad one time that they drug him out of the town, thought he was dead. Old boy's laying there outside of town. They're looking around. He's lifeless. All of a sudden, he starts moving. He wakes up. Does he say, oh, poor me? No. He brushes himself off. He goes right back in there to tell them about Jesus because he knew, he knew what they were missing. He knew what they were missing. And we have traded in the truth of God for a lie, guys. I'm going to give you some stories, some scenarios here. Maybe you can relate to some of these. You see, John grew up through school. He, threw up through, he grew up through the recreation department, playing ball. This boy was bad. He was, the, he was the best player on the team. His parents pushed him to pursue baseball and football like no other. And he was so successful at it, that's what made John who he was. He thrived to be successful. And when he got out of high school, he was, he was, man, he was the best one on the team. He was the best person ever to play in his, in his, college, in his high school, school. When he gets to college, he realized he wasn't nothing but a number. And that success that defined, that, that defined him before that, all of a sudden he felt empty and helpless. He felt worthless because that's what his whole life was around. He worshiped success. That success drove him to being successful in business. He began to just throw himself into his studies, and he began to really just strive so hard to be successful. He began to, to that's all he did. He was just, he was going to be successful, and, and that success began to be a love of money. He began to have a multi-million dollar company, and that's awesome. But he grew it at the expense of his wife and his family. His wife never saw him. His kids didn't know who he was. But he tried to replace that with the money that he made. John's God was success in money. That's what it turned into being. He wasn't serving God. When you looked at John, you knew that work defined was, the, was, was what defined him. Because of that's what he pursued wholeheartedly. You look at Sarah. Sarah, she, she always loved a, a, a romance movie. She just loved love stories. And she loved it so much that she compared every man to, who, to one of those guys in those love stories. I'm here to tell you, we ain't going to add up. I'm going to let y'all know. They began to just, she began to consume herself with what the perfect man would be. And, and you know, never, no man ever added up. Every time she would just pursue that, and she was constantly just, that's what she wanted. 
She wanted to, to have the perfect family, and she, she just she gave in to so many, different times, so many different things. She found herself compromising on her purity and compromising with relationships because she wanted to feel loved so bad. When that wasn't enough, she finally gets married. And he, didn't, he wasn't romantic enough. He wasn't that perfect blend between Justin Timberlake and Garth Brooks. He couldn't serenade her, and he, couldn't, he didn't look the part. Y'all liked that, didn't you? <laughs> he didn't look the part. He, he just, he, and, and one morning she realized, what have I done? She was miserable in her marriage because she was, she was seeking after the wrong things. She was seeking after a perfect man was her God. Women just get sucked up into that. And men do too, trying to find the right mate. And we start focusing too much on those things to where we lose sight of what's most important, and that's God. Amen. I'll give myself my own amen. Steve and Brittany, they began, they were married 10 years, never had kids. Always wanted a family. They thought it was a perfect family. That's what their life revolved around, having the perfect family. They, felt, they didn't feel like they fit in with their family because they were the only ones that didn't have kids. After 10 years, Steve was just so upset because he just knew that was going to complete them. That was going to make them feel like they were complete. But still nothing. His marriage was in, their, their marriage was in shambles because his wife couldn't fulfill what he wanted. As, they began to, as their relationship began to spiral out of control, Steve loses his job. Their house is three months. Their house is three months from foreclosure, foreclosure, and everything that defined his perfect family was going down the drain. Steve, in an act of despair, sees a pistol on the nightstand. He says, "I could end it all right now." Y'all, we get to that point when we misplace our act of worship. We think all these things on life is going to fulfill us. But in reality, they're just things of this life, and they're going to let you down. Your spouse is going to let you down. Your husband's going to let you down. Your job can fire you tomorrow. You could, you, you could, your sports career could end like this by hurting yourself. But my God never changes, amen? we got to put our hope in what's going to last, what's going to stand firm, what's going to make an eternal difference, right? Why do we settle for such second class? Why? We just settle for things instead of pursuing what really matters. And Paul, see, he saw that. He saw that in Acts 17. Paul, he, he got kicked out of two towns. He was going to recuperate. He was headed to Athens, the city of Athens. I'll get there. He was going to the city of Athens, and he was, he was there. He's seen everybody worshiping all kind of other things. See, I, I kind of think the city of Athens is where we are right now in America. They were so smart that they reasoned God away. They thought they had all the answers. They worshiped everything under the sun but the true God. Whoo, that sounds familiar. Amen. Woo, we got one. So Paul goes into this town. And as he goes into this town, it, it begins to just bother him. In verse 16, it says, Now while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, 
His spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. So Paul was there. He's seen how everybody was worshiping everything but God, and it just it provoked just this feeling inside of him. I can, I can relate. With me, it's like a, a, a gnawing, just anticipated anticipation feeling. I just, I just, can anybody relate to that feeling? That's, I think that's the feeling Paul had. It was like he was just bound up, didn't know what to do. Because he knew that these people were putting their hope in the wrong things. If they could just get a hold of God supplying all their needs, their lives would be so much better. And that's where I'm at. I'm in that same place. How can we worship God when we worship everything else? I can relate to those stories I just told you guys because that was my life in a nutshell. Before I got saved, I was religious and showed up to church. I showed up to church. But that's all. I didn't know Jesus and I didn't follow him. I didn't worship him with my life at all. You know what drove me? I'm not knocking on a teacher. I'm just telling you this is what happened, okay? Go ahead and help myself right quick. Y'all look at me all mean. We got a lot of teachers in here. I was in high school fixing to graduate, and I heard a teacher tell me, Jeremy, there's no need for you to worry about taking the SAT because you ain't college material. And she might as well told me I was dumb as far as gump. And that drove me. Like, I'm going to make something out of myself. She thinks I'm not going to be successful. She better hold on to her hat. And I, that's what drove me. We got, I got married. Sabrina and I got married at age 21. I had three jobs. I was in college because I was going to make something out of myself. And then it became what happened was success is what drove me, but then money became a substitute. Look at all the things I started accumulating but nobody else had. That, I replaced that. I replaced God with those things. And then that began, began a thing of, of people's acceptance of everybody. I began to go to parties, and people liked the drunk Jeremy, but nobody liked the sober Jeremy. So I drank and I partied because I wanted to fit in with everybody. I wanted everybody to like me. So that was my life for years. Until I met Jesus, guys. And then everything changed. It wasn't about me anymore. It was about him. He died on the cross to save me my sins. Praise God, I'm going to serve him. Amen? That's how we should be. And I began to see that, that I had made that an idol in my life. Sabrina and I had been married for a while, and then we had a, very, a really tough time in our marriage, and I realized through that that I had put her as an idol in my life. Because I had made up my mind that if I couldn't live without her, I didn't want to live. And we get to a sense of desperation because we put our trust and our faith in things that in the long run don't have any eternal difference. We've got to realize that God created us for a purpose. And that was to serve Him. To worship Him and Him alone. Your life is never going to be complete. There's always going to be a hole in your heart. There's always going to be some discontentment until you surrender your life to him. You'll never make enough money. You won't never find the right person to marry. None of that stuff until you give your life to him. 
I'm just here to tell you, it won't happen. I've been there. I know that. And until we get that in our heads, we're going to consistently be like a dog chasing his tail. We're just going in circles. And it's madness. But if we're going to be the people God's called us to be, the people that, that are unashamedly following him, then we get our worship in the right place. Amen. We, keep, we, we take a look at our own priorities. We look and see what matters to us. Does, does the kids' baseball schedule define who I am? Or does Jesus Christ define who I am? Does my work schedule define who I am? Is it all about work or is it all about Jesus? Come on. Is it? Y'all ain't going to help me none tonight. This is hard, ain't it? I mean, come on. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the rubber meets the road. If we're going to be the church God called us to be, then you got to get your worship right. I got to get my worship right. I got to worship God with my life. I've got to be totally devoted to Him. I got to quit playing games. I got to quit blaming on everybody else. And I got to say, Lord Jesus, help me with my priorities because they are all jacked up. And y'all quiet tonight because that's touching home. All of us got our priorities messed up. There's not a soul in here that is a true, 100%, all out, no idols in their life, sold out follower of Jesus Christ. Because even I sometimes find myself replacing God with something else that I think is going to... But it always leaves me realizing that He is the one that supplies my every need. And as Paul was there and he was reasoning with these people, that just gets me too. He was being the man of God, not just the church. It ain't the preacher that's got to be this way. It's y'all too. Because they wasn't, he wasn't just in the synagogue. He went to the marketplace. He went to where they were. He went to where they were at and told them what Jesus had done in his life. And they seen because of the way Paul lived, the way he lived, not what he said, but the way he lived that there was a difference in his life. And there was something different about that man. He wasn't just religious. He really believed what he said he was saying. And as Paul began to do that, verse 22 says, So Paul standing in the middle of whatever that word is, and he said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along, I observed objects of your worship. I found also an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown. This I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands. And he goes on to tell the awesomeness of God. But you get what he just said? He said, I perceive that you are very religious. He didn't say, I perceive that you worship God. If he came home with us today, could he say, Jeremy, I perceive you're very religious, but you don't worship the one true God. As he rides through town, as he rode through Millen, could he see our acts of worship? He could see businesses that people have built pursuing something other than God. He can ride by ball fields where people think that sports and all that stuff is going to complete them and make them feel, fit in. He can see all these things, these acts of our worship. But what he tell you 
But he sees that you really serve the one true God. We've got to step out of where we are, guys, and step out into the unknown where Jesus is. We've got to step out of our comfort zone and say, status quo is not okay. It's not okay. Following God is a lot more important than fitting in, a lot more important than the money you make or the things you have. So what is your act of worship? And when we get that right, we can be the people God's called us to be. He, we can be the unstoppable church that God's called us to be. The reason the people in Thessalonica got it right, the reason that they were turning the world upside down because they were a people that were worshiping God 110% of their lives. They didn't hold nothing back. It was all about Jesus because Jesus was all they had. And that's what's wrong with us. We live in America and that is awesome. We've got all this comfort, all this stuff. If we didn't have it, would we still say we were followers of Jesus? I'm going to stop meddling and I'm going to start preaching. But guys, I want to tell you, if we're going to be the people God's called us to be, we've got to be worshipers. It ain't on the back of the preacher. It's on the back of the people. Because the church is the people, not the building. We've got to do this thing together. So in 1 Thessalonians, these people got it. These people understood it. They were the people that God had called them to be. And verse, we'll read through this first section, then we'll break it down. Verse 2, in chapter 1, it says, Paul says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering, therefore, Remembering before, sorry, our God and Father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us. And of the Lord. For you received the word in as much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Arcadia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Arcadia, but also your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turn from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son in heaven whom he raised from the dead Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come he said though people recognize that you are a true worshiper of God and it began to just be known throughout everywhere it just goes to tell me that a people that are totally sold out to Christ, they're going to hear about it, y'all. They're going to hear about it in Waynesboro. They're going to hear about it in Savannah. They're going to hear about it in Augusta. People are going to see, oh, they're not just religious. They really love Jesus. Do you want to be a part of that? 
All right, well, I'll announce we'll go home. Nobody. Do y'all want to be a part of that? Anybody? All right. Y'all, I'm going to tell you, you got to talk to me. I, 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 got, I got to know that you're listening. I got to make sure that you're awake. Dead people don't talk, but living people do. Amen? And we ain't dead. Not yet. But there's five things I want you to get out of this, okay? Five things. There's five characteristics of a church that worships, a church that gets it, okay? Number one is that their lives were characterized by three things. In, in verse 3, it breaks it down. But number one, work of faith. That their works produced faith. Their faith was more than just words. They actually took a step and did something. There's so many of us in here that says, I have faith in God. We're standing on the dock. We're standing at the edge, and we're like, I got faith in God. I got faith in God. But we will never take that step of faith to do what he's called us to do. And when are you going to step out and do what he's called you to do? When? We've got to be those people of faith. What's the, what's the, uh, what's the little slogan? Put your money where your mouth is. We've got to be people of action, not people that are standing on the dock playing it safe. And it was, that's what they were. They looked up and said, hey, we've seen your work of faith. Faith works. We, have, we serve a God whose faith works. We don't, have a, we don't have to work to have faith because the work that God did in our life, we're going to want to do things. Amen? But they, that was the first one. The next one was that they had a labor of love. They, they had labor prompted by love. They wanted to do things for Christ because they loved Jesus. They understood and realized the sacrifice he made for them. And because of that, they wanted to do things. I think so many times we won't get out in our community and tell somebody about Jesus because we forgot where we came from and we forgot what he did for us. You hear me? I know where I came from. And I want to tell as many people where I was at about Jesus and what he did for me. Why don't we do that? That's somebody else's responsibility. That ain't mine. No. If you love Jesus and you love people, then you'll tell them about Jesus. Amen? You'll tell them about what he did in your life. I go back to the story in the Bible when the man that was paralyzed, he couldn't get to Jesus by himself. But he had some friends that loved him. What did he do? They, they said, look, if I can just get him to Jesus, everything will be okay. I know he'll be healed if I can get him to Jesus. So what did they do? They picked up their, man, their, their friend, and they carried him to town. They didn't put him in the truck and drive him. No, they carried him to town. And when they got to town, there were so many people around Jesus, they couldn't get it. Did they give up? No. These old boys climbed on top of the roof and tore the roof off the house because they had that much faith in God. And they loved their brother so much. Do you have love for your community to step out and be the faithful servants God's called you to be? Or are you still going to stand on the bench? You're still going to stand on the dock and say, why isn't God using me? Because he's not going to use you until you step out. And I told y'all I ain't preaching in a while, so y'all got to forgive me for hollering. But man, y'all got to get this today. We got to step out into the unknown where Jesus is, guys. That's, what, that's faith that works. And these people got it. The next one was, who I got so excited and forgot where I was at. It says that they had steadfastness of hope. These people had endurance 
inspired by hope. They endured things. These people were people that no matter what hit them, no matter what happened to them, they were steadfast in following Jesus because they knew who they were serving. They knew where their heart was. They knew what their purpose was. There was something about these people that they just didn't quit. They didn't just give up. Guys, we got to be a people of endurance if we're going to take this county for Jesus Christ. No matter what's said, no matter what's happened, we got to just say that I am, I am serving the King of kings and Lord of lords, and I'm going to endure through this because it don't matter what they think. It only matters what God thinks. Amen? The next thing is, is that the gospel was a source of their worship. It was a source of their worship. They worshiped because of the gospel. Verses 4 and 5, it says, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in the power and the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. The gospel came to them. And because everybody was living in worship, they began to centralize their life on him. Can people say that, that your life is centered on him because of the gospel? Because of what Jesus did? Because, they, the, because the gospel was the center of their worship, it wasn't just words. There was power. I want to tell you something. There's power in the name of Jesus. Amen? There was power. They had power. That's why the church is so powerless today. It's because we are worshiping everything but God. And until we get a hold of this and really start following him, we'll start seeing power in God's house. But until then, we'll still see the same old religion we've always seen. I'm tired of that. How about y'all? I want to see God do amazing things. With the Holy Spirit. And the people had deep conviction. They had deep conviction. When people look at your life, do they say you have deep conviction? I remember I used to, I would cuss and have the Lord's name in vain. It didn't bother me. But when I started following Jesus, if I slipped up and said a cuss word, it crushed me. It crushed me. Not because I was trying to be all spiritual and righteous. No. Because I knew what Jesus did for me. He died on that cross for me. He chose to do that. And yet I'm just going to just flamboyantly say things that do not please him. Does the gospel have an impact on your life? Number three, is their worship was not just dedicated by their circumstances. Verse six says, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just rainbows and lollipops. It wasn't this easy believism. In those days, you had to want to serve God. And because of their want to and desire, it just began to blossom. Things began to change. People seen a difference in their life. So many times, we want to serve God based on circumstances. If it makes us look good, if it gives us status, 
Come on now, y'all quiet. We want to serve him. I had a guy one time tell me that I needed to find a good church to get into so that I could market better for my company. And I wasn't even saved, and I knew that was wrong. <laughs> Come on, man. But these people, it was good times or bad times. It didn't matter. They, were, they served a God that didn't change. Listen, I want to tell you, bad things are going to happen. It's inevitable. Serving Jesus is hard sometimes. There's going to be people that you love that turn their back on you. That's just the nature of serving God. Bad things are going to happen. But if, you, if your whole being is caught on what people think about you, then when people talk bad about you, it's the end of the world. But if you are sold out, sold out, 100%, living for him, worshiping him with your life, it don't matter what people say. Because you, your heart belongs to him. Amen? Circumstances don't define you if you are truly worshiping God with your whole heart. I can think about a really good friend of mine that they were going through cancer. And they had all reason to be mad at God you know, in our eyes. Got two little boys. Why would you give me cancer? I could just hear that's what I would be. But you know what? What gave me so much hope because their life wasn't defined by cancer. The first word out of their mouth was said, you know what it said? I know God's got this. When you walk through cancer, if your life is all about you, then that's going to devastate you. But when you serve a God that created you, when you serve a God that, that is bigger than cancer, then guess what? When cancer comes, you can take it full force in the name of Jesus Christ because that's where your faith is. Amen? And when that happened, when they kept saying, I know God's got this. We were constantly praying for them. I know God's going to take There was a witness to everybody else because people got saved by seeing the life they lived because they had confidence in Jesus. That's the kind of people God's called us to be. Number four, it says, because they modeled worship, the gospel spread like fire, spread like wildfire. Verses seven and eight says, so that you became an example to us. I'm sorry, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Arcadia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Arcadia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. People seen that they worship God and God alone, that their life was about Him, that they were devoted to Christ. They didn't just say they were, but they were devoted to Christ. And people began to, to see, hey, they're different. And it began to, to go through the town. People began to want to come to know Jesus. They began to want to see what's so different about these people. I want people to see God's church as that kind of church again, people. I want to see that, but it's not going to happen unless we get our worship right. The last one, number five, it says that repentance was the pathway 
to their worship. You can't get into the right relationship with God until you ask him to forgive you of the things you've done and the life that you've not been living. In verse 9, it says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how that you turned from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. He says how you turned from idols. Anything that you put in front of God, anything, any, any, anything, any activity, any person, any object is an idol. And you worship that more than you do God. And these people had idols. They weren't blameless. But what made them different is that they turned from their idols. They turned from those things and gave their life and repented and followed Jesus. We are, we've got to be a people that says, hey, God, I messed up. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And that's what defined them. My question for you tonight is, is this happening in your life? Has there be a, been a time where there was a new direction in your life. You won't be able to worship God 100% unless you have really changed your life. I played games with God a long time, and I never got serious until I really changed my direction. Never. Oh, I looked the part. I had a Bible at home. And I was very religious. But I didn't love Jesus. And it took me to get to the end of myself to realize I need to call out to the Father. I need to call out to God and say, Lord, forgive me for putting what I want above you. Forgive me for putting my wife above you. Forgive me for putting my job above you. Forgive me for putting my family above you. Maybe that's what you need to do today, tonight. For we can be the people that God's called us to be. Maybe you need to surrender to God. You see, repentance don't make you weak. It don't make you weak. Following God takes guts, people. You got to dare to be different. You got to dare to step out and say, I want to follow him no matter what anybody says. And I'm sorry. Jesus, for making a mockery of you dying on the cross by the way I've been living. And I want to change that. I want to change my direction. And I want to make every single step I make closer to you every day. I pray that's your heart tonight. I got one more thing I want to read to you. One thing God laid on my heart late yesterday afternoon. I was reading through my Bible. And sometimes just random things will pop up and hit me. And I was in Matthew chapter 8. When I was in Matthew chapter 8, at the end of it, I'll read this and I'll, I'll explain what God did. Matthew chapter 8, verses 18, it says, Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man 
has nowhere to lay his head. And another man, another disciple said to him, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury the dead. And I think a lot of times we made Jesus sound like a bully here. How dare he ask that man not to bury his own father? But I think what Jesus was doing was he realized that they were trying to push off following him. They were trying to delay that. Jesus, I will follow you, but hold on now. Let me get my stuff in order. See, we give God so many excuses of why we don't follow him. We give him so many excuses of why what we think is right is right. And instead, what we think don't matter. It's all about what God thinks. It's what God thinks. I'm here to tell you people. God's just telling me to tell you all this. There's people in this room that's been giving God excuses for years and years and years. You've been saying, I can't, I'm not going to do that. I got to get my finances before I can follow you. I've got to get this in order before I follow you. I got to get that in order before I follow you. There's a lot of people that put off Jesus too long and then it was too late. And he's telling me to tell somebody right here tonight to, to stop. Stop giving him excuses and start following him tonight. That's what he's called us to be. To be a true follower and worshiper of him. That gives him his whole life, not just a little bit of your, not just a little bit of your life. But that says, here I am, God. I want to give you everything. A lot of times the things that we hold so dear that we think we can't live without, once we let them go, it sets us free. There's people that are caught up in addiction. They're saying, you know what, God? I'll follow you as soon as I kick this habit. You won't never kick that habit until you give it to God. There's people that are saying, when I get my life right, I'm going to come follow you. You won't never get your life right. God didn't call us to clean up and then come to him. He called us to come to him, and then he'll clean us up. Man, I'm glad I serve a God that's that way. So I'm asking y'all tonight, God's putting excuses that you've been giving him in your mind for years. And nobody knows your heart like you know your heart. What matters the most is if we are full, 100% sold out followers of Jesus Christ. And we all struggle with something. There's not a perfect person in here. I want to give y'all two opportunities tonight. The first opportunity is, I want to give you the, the opportunity to, to call out to Jesus for salvation. To say, God, I know that I've been just a religious person and I've never given you my life. Some of you in here may have even been like I was. I said the sinner's prayer, and I was baptized when I was 12 years old. But you know what that meant? Nothing. It didn't mean a thing because I didn't give him my heart. I didn't give him my life. Maybe you need to really commit your life to Jesus Christ to die tonight and really give it to him this time. Maybe you need to do that.
Some of you have been like, I want to follow God, I don't. I want to follow God, I don't. You've been so wishy-washy. That's not total dedication. That's not total surrender. Maybe you need to give your life and say, I want to follow Jesus for real this time. I want to quit playing games. I want to give you the opportunity. Here at Connection, we don't believe. And you just, bow, everybody bow on their head and you silently act like you're ashamed to accept Jesus. We want you to raise your hand in boldness and say, I want to follow Jesus Christ. I want to give it all to him. So we can celebrate with you. So if that's you tonight, if you say, I want salvation, I want to follow Jesus, I want you to just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Keep your hand raised. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? You're tired of giving excuses. I'm not going to ask but one more time. What excuses have you been giving God? He wants you to surrender those excuses tonight. He wants you to give his life, give you this life. But you've got to quit standing on the edge of the dock saying, I want to serve him, I want to serve him, I want to serve him. And you never step out and actually follow through. So I'm going to give you one more opportunity. If that's you tonight, if you really want to surrender, raise your hand. Just say, that's me. Okay. And this last part is for those of you who didn't raise your hand. We set these stages up here for, for a reason. It sure wasn't for me to preach off of, was it? We want this to be an altar. Those of you that didn't hear that you like, God, I have been giving you excuses for years. And I need to come and I need to surrender those excuses. I need to lay them at the feet of the cross tonight. If that's you, then that's where this, this is where you need to be. The point of coming to church isn't coming to church. It's coming and doing business with God and leaving here different than how you came. And that depends totally upon you and your heart. So that's what this altar's for. If you want to come and you want to lay things at the feet of Jesus, you want to lay excuses, you want to lay idols that you've had in your life. Maybe you want to say, God, I have been, I have been, work has been an idol in my life and I need to give it to you and really start following you more. Maybe you need to do that. I want to give you the opportunity. If you want to come pray, people will come and pray with you. But please come. I'm going to close us in prayer. And while I'm praying, if that's you tonight, then you come on up here and you pray. If you don't want to do business with God, then you're dismissed. But guys, Did we come here just to come? Or did we come here to encounter God? He's speaking to your heart. Don't leave here without doing business with God. Father, we come to you, Lord. And we thank you so much for that. I thank you so much for that one life that went from life to death. God, I thank you, Father, for her surrender. God, I pray that Lord, everyone in this room, as you began to lay things on their heart, as you began to lay excuses they've been giving you, as they, you began to lay idols that they put above you, God, I pray that you would break their hearts and, Lord, they would do business with you tonight. God, change us. As we leave this place, I pray that we would leave here better than we came. 
God, make us the people you've called us to be. God, make us the church that you've called us to be. Father, please, consume us tonight. It's in your name I pray. Amen.